The following program is paid programming. The views expressed on the following program are those of its hosts and participants, and nowhere reflect those of the ownership, staff, or advertisers of WNRI. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show right here on WNRI 99.9 on the FM dial, 1380 AM. If we're friends on Facebook, you can watch me on Facebook, as well as check us out on TuneIn.com. Quick shout out to my buddy Chip Cartier. Hello, Eric. Thank you very much for tuning in on Facebook Live. Uh, we have a lot of... Uh, things to talk about. If you have some things you want to ask about, you can give us a call at 401-769-0600. If you're calling from outside of the 401 area code, the number is 1-800-949-9674. So you're tuned into WNRI. We broadcast from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and uh, I am a realtor. I'm licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Uh, I'm part of the Luca and, Luca and Murano team at Remax Preferred. My partner, Don Murano, and I are both licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts, and we work with buyers and sellers of residential and commercial real estate. Okay. We just got a really uh, nice listing, believe it or not. It's in Massachusetts. Uh, it's priced at four seventy four nine, two thousand square feet of above-grade living, integral garage, two-car garage, uh, nice backyard, decks, water view. Uh, the house is... Uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. So it's a real nice property, a uh, nice quiet street. Uh, you can certainly reach out to us at 401-232-4300 if you are interested in learning more about that house. Uh, working on some other listings, there are two properties. One we're going to be signing up in the next couple of weeks, a single-family home raised ranch in North Providence. Uh, where We should be getting a colonial, hopefully, um, in Providence, uh, both of these houses are well-maintained, solid houses in great neighborhoods. So if you are looking, you can reach out to us, 401-233-4300, and we will get you in those houses as soon as they come on the market. Okay. Um, if you are thinking cheaper, is you know, I'd like to sell my house because prices are high, quote-unquote, um, and I'd like to see how much I could get for my house. You know, there's no obligation to asking questions and just learning a little bit about what your house would be valued at uh, in light of the current market, okay? Then um, again, just call the Luca and Murano team, 401-232-4300, and we will give you a quick valuation, and then if you would allow us to come and see the house, we'll give you a more precise valuation of your home. Okay, um, so now the market uh, interest rates, as we've been talking about, have been increasing. So pretty much most people applying for a mortgage now will be getting something that starts with a five or perhaps 
a four with, you know, a, a high four. Um, you know, so if you want to find out what rate you would qualify for, there are a lot of things that impact your ultimate rate in addition to your credit rating, the amount of debt you have, how much income you earn, you know, the debt to income ratio. Um, also, the type of home you're buying, whether it's a single family, a multifamily or a condominium, whether it's a first home or a second home or a vacation home or an investment property. So those are all things that could in impact your ultimate rate. The best rate is for people that have the best credit with a good down payment on, a, on an owner-occupied single-family home. Uh, Wayne Barber, another host here at WNRI, just pointed out listings are growing in the northeast quiet corner of Connecticut. I saw six more houses listed today. That's right, Wayne. The number of houses, we actually have uh, close to 100 house, more single-family homes on the market in the entire state of Rhode Island uh, this week compared to last week. Uh, multifamily homes are still languishing below 150 for the whole state, well below 150. Um, but, you know... This is the spring season. The more days we have like we have today, like we had today, the more people will start to think about putting their homes on the market. Um, you know, sometimes a concern people have is jeepers, you know, Joe, if I sell my house, where am I going to go? Am I going to find another house? Well, part of my job and, and my partner Don's job uh, when we list a home for sale is we need to coordinate so that our clients, the sellers, have a place to move to so they can find something. And so we let the prospective buyers know that, listen, our sellers have to find suitable housing. So, Mr. or Ms. Buyer, you need to be aware of that. And generally, everyone is. And we actually were on the other side of that where we had a buyer and the seller of the house that uh, these buyers were purchasing needed to find suitable housing. And they did. We just received notification from their realtor, um, John Garcia, uh, that they found a house. Their offer was accepted. Great. There's going to be a little bit of a gap there, so we have to try and coordinate that because their closing is going to be a little bit after when our closing is supposed to be. So, But those are the types of things we negotiate out, okay? There are typically um, opportunities to negotiate things out for the benefit of both parties, Okay, so folks, you're listening to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show right here on WNRI 99.9 FM, 769-0600 if you'd like to give us a call, 1-800-949-9674 if you are outside of the state of Rhode Island, and we can uh, take your calls. Hello to my friend Marcel, one of my bingo friends. Uh, who just tuned in on Facebook Live. Thank you for tuning in, Marcel. Um, so interest rates are going up. Home prices are still going up. You know, everyone is wondering what is the impact that the war in the Ukraine is going to have on house prices, on our economy. Well, I can say the data is in and prices are still up. Okay, March prices were up 2% higher than they were in February and they were a whopping 20% higher than they were in March of 2021. 20%. That's a big jump. Um, you know, a lot of the prognosticators, the smart people, economists, they're still forecasting that the intensity of equity accumulation, how much properties are going to increase in value, that is going to decline a bit. Values are not declining. The rate of the increase is going to slow. It's going to relent. 
a little bit. Uh, well, actually a lot because we're, they're talking about 4 or 5% um, equity accumulation at the end of this year compared to the end of last year. So that remains to be seen. That's what I've been saying all along. However, um, I was not anticipating that in March we would have had a double-digit increase compared to March of last year. Okay, And the fact that prices increased 2% from February to March... That's, that's still at a really strong double-digit pace because February to March is not the big selling season, okay? Um, but there were still a lot of buyers out there buying homes, and there clearly were not enough sellers out there. So now we're pretty much we're, we're getting into the spring selling season, and the spring selling season is one of the strongest of the, uh, the calendar for houses. Um, one of the things that we're still very surprised at now is that there's not been that big wave of inventory of people, people putting their houses on the market. There are more houses on the market, as I said before, okay, but not enough. We're at about a quarter to a third of where we normally are as far as the number of houses on the market, okay? So think about that for a second. You know, we should have conservatively three times as many homes on the market as we have right now. People who are looking to buy houses, again, it's frustrating, I know. You can't find a lot of houses. You find a house, you put an offer in, and oh, you were outbid by somebody that paid cash. Oh, you were outbid by somebody that has a $100,000 down payment. Both of those things happened to yours truly and one of my, uh, two of our buyers. Okay, um, you just have to keep looking. You know, we put together really clean deals, clean offers. So we have generally we have a very good uh, success rate for getting our offers accepted. But again, if someone's coming in with cash, it's tough to compete with that, especially especially when they waive inspections and they're paying cash, and they typically waive an appraisal. You're financing a loan. You cannot waive the appraisal, one. And two, most people want an inspection because they need to familiarize themselves with the condition of the house to make sure there aren't any things that could adversely impact its value or could be big expenses down the road. So, you know, we don't discourage anyone from having a home inspection ever. Now, someone might say, Joe, what do I have to do to get my offer accepted? And I will say, listen, you know, the offers that have been getting accepted are waiving appraisals and waiving inspections. I would not advise you to, to professionally, would not advise you to waive an inspection. And you can't waive an appraisal if you're not paying cash. So that gets a little bit tricky. Now, there are certain ways that you can tweak, there's verbiage that you can put in there to mitigate any concerns that the seller may have due to an appraisal. So you can cover a shortfall up to a certain point. Three, five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars shortfall. The buyer, if they have the cash, they can agree to cover that. Um, inspections. They can say, we will overlook up to ten thousand dollars in total repairs on the house. So if you're selling the house and you know there aren't, you're pretty darn sure there aren't $10,000 of repairs that the house needs, there's not much risk there in accepting that offer. 
okay? Um, you know, but those are the two things that can make it easier or more difficult for buyers' offers to get accepted, okay? Now, when you're selling your house, there are certain things that you want to do to maximize the attractiveness of your home. So you can get as many buyers to come and schedule appointments and look at the home and get as many buyers to ultimately submit an offer. Okay. Uh, Dawn and I had a property that we listed and it closed last, it closed yesterday, excuse me. And we had eight people come in to look at the property in one day and we received six offers. So not a lot of traffic, but that's an, that plenty of offers to get a good one accepted. Okay. Now, one of the um, concerns that people have today is that houses aren't appraising. People keep saying, oh, they're being sold, you know, houses are being sold for too much. It's going to lead to a crash. Well, you know, the data, again, doesn't support that. We sold a house. Most of the time, you know, our houses that we list uh, sell for what we list them for or maybe a little bit more. In this particular house, we received several offers, as I said, six offers, and they all pushed the purchase price higher. Um, you know, it was listed at 335 We had 365 It ultimately sold for 345 because that's what it appraised for. None of the offers waived the inspection. Okay. So, unfortunately... Um, you know, the seller did not get all the money that they wanted to get, but they still got a little bit more than they were expecting at the outset. Okay. Um, so, folks, if you are going to be selling your house and you talk to your realtor and your realtor says it's going to sell, we're going to list it for X, and then you receive offers that are X plus ten or $15,000, don't say that you're, never going, you're not going to sell it for a penny less than that if it doesn't appraise because you were perfectly willing to accept a reasonable fair amount initially if it doesn't appraise that means there are no other sold properties comparable sales to support that price that's how you establish fair market value that is what people are willing to pay for it but they can only pay for it if they can receive financing to buy it I could say that I'll, I will pay $10 million to buy the Superman building in downtown Providence. And someone else could say, well, I'll, buy, I'll pay $11 million for it. Well, if neither of us can get financing for it, we're not buying anything. Okay? So fair market value, unless it's a cash purchase, which one out of four purchases today are cash. Unless it's a cash purchase, it's subject to an appraisal. An appraisal is going to be based on several factors, one of which is the sales prices of other comparable properties. Okay, We're not going to compare a house in the north end of Woonsocket with a house in uh, Manville, Rhode Island. Okay, Two entirely two different towns, uh, two entirely different areas, two di entirely different neighborhoods. We're not going to compare a house in Kirkbray with a house from... Manville or Albion, okay? And Cumberland, there's South Cumberland, there's North Cumberland, there's Cumberland Hill, there's Arnold Mills. These all impact or indicate what type of value the property is going to have, okay? So 
I want to talk a little bit, since we're talking about value, I want to visit again a little bit of the pace of equity accumulation and what is going on. So, you know, the current market um, indicates an increase in value year over year of 20% for single-family homes, month over month, 2.2%. For single-family homes. That's from February to March of this year. The forecast is that we're going to have year-over-year increases in value of 5% and month-to-month increases at a rate of 0.6%. Okay. Now, you might say, Joe, where are you getting these numbers from? Well, this is the, um, these numbers come from its U.S. Home Price Insights, and this is the Case Schiller Trend, okay? Uh, it's a home price index, HPI, and Case Schiller Trends. They track data from properties all across the country, okay? And that's how they determine where the values are and where they think they're going to, to uh, increase on it. Now, the economic impact on home prices, all right? Uh, home, pro- home price growth registered year over year increases of 20%. Uh, this is very, very high compared to what we were expecting, okay? Um, You know, if you're looking at it by region and by state, the states of uh, California, Nevada, um, New Mexico, uh, Utah, they all had increases in value, year-over-year increases in value in excess of 20%, as did Texas, Florida, Georgia, North and South Carolina, and Tennessee, um, and Vermont, believe it or not, Vermont. Whereas uh, New Hampshire had an increase of 15 to 20%, depending upon where you are. The rest of New England, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Maine had increases in the 10 to 15% range. Okay. Um, looking at the top metropolitan areas, the change that they have, all right, San Diego had an increase of 25.2%. L.A., 15.1%. Las Vegas, 26.5%. Phoenix, Arizona, 30.4%. Wow, my friend Erica Greenberg must be very happy about that. That's where she lives. Uh, Miami, 19.5%. Boston, 10.9%. Washington, D.C., 8.9%. Houston, Texas, 16.4%. And Denver, Colorado, 20%. So this is strong growth. I mean, the weakest growth is only 8.9% increase in value, and that's in Washington, D.C. Okay? So all of these metropolitan areas are having strong increases in the, uh, in the value of their homes. The top markets at risk for home price declines, okay, the ones that could potentially see a decline in uh, home equity accumulation are as follows, okay? Uh, Kingman, Arizona, Lake Havasu City and King, uh, Kingman, Arizona area, they have a 50 to 75% chance of having price declines, as does Prescott, Arizona. Now, one of the reasons for this is because these areas have also had a lot of new construction. So where there are new homes coming to market. Now, I just want to take a second here to talk about the other day, the, the Fed came out and they said that there was a new home bubble. Okay. The operative word there, folks, is new. That means new construction. And in certain parts of the country, they have overbuilt homes. 
Okay, quick shout out to my buddy Chris Petrarca, who just tuned in on Facebook Live, as well as my colleague Peter Serto, longtime Rhode Island reader, realtor. A lot of folks know that name. But thank you guys very much for tuning in on Facebook Live. So, new home prices and home prices. You know, most of the price, home prices that people talk about are resale homes, used homes, okay? I bought my house. It was built in 1800, a used home. We're selling a house. It was built in 2007, a used home. New homes are new construction. And the Fed was specifically referring to new home construction when they said that they saw the potential for a bubble. In fact, we think we are in a bubble. I believe that's a pretty close quote. All right. A lot of these areas that we're talking about here that are exposed to home price declines are because of an overbuilding of new homes. So we said the Arizona's in Bridgeport, Stamford, Norwalk, Connecticut, that has a moderate um, risk for a price decline. And urban uh, Honolulu, that's downtown Honolulu in Hawaii, moderate chance for price decline. Uh, and then... Hartford and West Hartford and East Hartford, Connecticut, also moderate chance for decline. Connecticut is a little bit different. Connecticut has some significant fiscal problems at the state level. They have an $80 billion unfunded pension liability. There are some other challenges that they have, fiscal challenges in the state, that are really kind of hastening um, the exit of a lot of the high earners in the state. So these homes that would normally be two, three, four, five million dollars is selling for a fraction of that. Okay. And, you know, because the problems that they're having at the state level with fiscal viability, those are eventually going to filter down to the municipalities. And that's when property taxes start to increase. So there's not an overbuilding going on in the greater uh, Hartford area, Bridgeport area in Connecticut. But there is a moderate chance for price decline there. Okay, um, And so, folks, I know I, I talk to people and they're like, oh, the prices in Connecticut are less than they are in Rhode Island. Yeah, for good reason. So before you do anything, do some research because you can get a house a little bit cheaper in certain parts of Connecticut compared to Rhode Island. But that price may be going down again. And you don't want that to happen if you don't have to. You know, Rhode Island, we have had our challenges over the past many years. But we are at a point where we're still in better position than Connecticut is in other states as well. Okay, but to our immediate north, Massachusetts is doing well. Home prices are higher there. That's a factor of household income. There's more, the, the average household income in most of Massachusetts is greater than that in Rhode Island. So that means they can afford to pay more for a home. Okay, I mean, I live in Cumberland, and if my house were a little bit north in Franklin or in Rentham, it would be worth seventy-five to one hundred thousand dollars more than it is. Okay, so that's one of the things you know that you want to pay attention to. Not everything is you know uh, coming up roses with the with the chant with the respect to home values. Okay, and the future prospect of increases. Again, when we're talking about values, we're talking in the aggregate. Okay, so if we're talking about the state of Rhode Island or the state of Massachusetts or the whole country, um, that's true. But there are always going to be pockets where values could be going up higher, values could be dropping down lower in certain niche 
areas, little pockets, because um, of whatever the situation is. Okay, it could be a, a specific town uh, that you know their taxes went up or services were reduced or things like that that would not entice or encourage people to buy homes there. So values would go down because again, as everything is driven by demand. Why are prices as high as they are? Why are they continuing to increase its supply and demand? Economics 101. We have more buyers trying to purchase a very limited supply of homes. You've heard me talk about this now for two or three years. The number of buyers is not declining. We're going to have some buyers that as interest rates go up from the 4 to 5% range... They're no longer going to qualify for a mortgage. However, a little perspective, folks, it was just a few short years ago that everybody was getting 5%. And again, a historic average for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage is 8%. So we're still well below that. Now, I was talking with some folks in, in the mortgage industry um, and they feel that in four to five years, rates are going to come back down to that three to four percent range that would be great so everybody who's buying a house now at five percent five and a half percent if it goes up to six percent they'll be able to refinance in a few years and get a better rate okay one thing i do want to point out okay i am not a financial advisor i'm a real estate guy so i know about real estate but if you do refinance Try not to refinance and take more cash out and then start with a brand new 30-year mortgage. If you could tighten it up to maybe a 15-year mortgage, that's always good. Try not to take a lot of cash out because now what you're, putting, what you're doing is you're exposing your home, your residence, to unnecessary risk. One of the problems we had before the last crash, before the Great Recession, was people were using their home as an ATM. Oh, I need money to buy a car? Let me go get some money. Okay. Yeah, my friend Chris, uh, Chris uh, on Facebook Live, he paid 7.12. That was his mortgage in 1998. So the fact that we're hitting five to five and a half right now is still well below that. Okay. And again, you don't want to use your home as an ATM. Now, if you're borrowing against your home so that you can buy an investment property or another property and you're being very prudent in how you're valuing that property, the best way to do that is to use an experienced realtor who's been through a few business cycles like yours truly at the Luca and Murano team 401-232-4300. If you have questions, okay, we have a team that can help you become an investor and we will point things out to you that you should not do so you can not make the mistakes that all too many people make when they're buying investment properties okay you know if, if you were listening to the show back at the end of september beginning of october i talked about i was at a conference in new york city and uh, alex rodriguez was there the new york yankees uh, base former new york yankees great baseball player and he was talking about his strategy when buying real estate because this guy owns hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate that he started purchasing when he was in his young young 20s and he put himself in a tough spot once Okay, when he bought a property and it 
what happened was the loan was called because it went upside down. He was very fortunate that he had the cash reserves to make up the difference because he had just signed a $115 million baseball contract. Great. Most of us can't do that. So he does not, with all the money that he has and all the success that he's experienced as a real estate developer and investor, he will not put himself in that situation again. You do not want to over leverage yourself so that you could potentially become uh, upside down. There are certain things that you can do when buying property so that that doesn't happen to you. All right. If you want to find out, you've got to give us a call at 401-232-4300. And then we can get together and talk about a game plan so that you can become a real estate investor. Okay. Um, if you have questions, again, call after the show during the week, 401-232-4300. Or you can call now during the show, 401-769-0600 in Rhode Island, 1-800-949-9674. If you are elsewhere in the United States. Um, we will certainly answer your questions right here at WNRI 99.9 FM, 1380 AM. All right. Um, shout out to our sponsors, John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Uh, John, Dawn, and myself, we had lunch yesterday. John was talking to us about some of the great programs that Fairway has and John is going to come on the show in the next few weeks. I'm not sure exactly when, but I said, John, you have to come on the show and explain these programs to our listeners and our viewers because I won't do them justice. But John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team, 401-321-4401, that's their number. They have their main corporate office right in downtown Providence near the Cove restaurant, and they have other satellite offices as well. But the best way to find out what you can do, because a lot of what they do is digitally. It's over your phone. It's over the internet you may not even need to go in if you don't want to and they really they utilize uh, zoom or facetime type meetings okay or skype whatever your you know whatever you choose but 401-321-4401 that's john dolbeck and the dolbeck team at fairway independent mortgage corporation we also have of course anthony Bettencourt and rich nicholson at beacon title and escrow i send all of my closings to beacon title and escrow my buyers and my sellers a big part of our job as realtors is to educate the consumer. I educate the consumer. The Dolbeck team educates our clients. Beacon Title and Escrow, Anthony, educates our clients when they're at the closing table, whether it's a buyer or a seller. Oh, and by the way, if you are a member of the military, a veteran police, fire, any first responders, teachers, you get a special discount from Beacon Title and Escrow when they take care of your closing. Okay? That's why we send everyone there. We had, you know, there's a little bit of a snafu on a transaction that we're working on right now, and the lender had said, oh, I was going to send it to this one. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I give everything to Beacon Title and Escrow. And I said, cheapers, who the heck is this law firm? I, hadn't, I didn't know that they were doing real estate closing. So I went to their website, and it's a big law firm. They have a lot of people working there. And on their whole webpage, there's not one mention of real estate. They are criminal defense attorneys, litigation attorneys, all of these things that they do, nothing talks about real estate 
closings. So why would I want to have my clients go there and have a closing with someone that doesn't advertise that they're good at it? Okay. Maybe if I need someone that needs a criminal defense attorney or that needs to litigate some corporate problem, then they could go there. But Anthony takes his time and explains everything to our client. There are other, uh, you know, offices. It, they're like, it's a factory of closings. You go in. Hi, how are you? Very good. Nice to meet you. Okay, let's sit down. And then you sign a stack of papers. It's like an inch and a half thick in 20 minutes. Okay, initial here, initial here, initial here. Oh, that's what all this does. Sign here, sign here, sign here. Buying a house, selling a house is stressful enough. The last thing you're doing is the closing. This should not be rushed. That's your last experience. You want it to be fun, enjoyable, not stressful. You don't want to walk out of that room wondering, what the heck did I just sign? What just happened? Oh, I bought a house. No, when you go through a closing with Beacon Title and Escrow, you know everything that you're signing and you know why you're signing it. You know, we had a closing was yesterday and the sellers, they had already, uh, they were moving out of state for, for a job. So they were not here. Anthony was on the phone with them Friday, Friday night, Saturday. They had questions yesterday explaining everything to them on what's called the CD, the closing document, the settlement sheet, uh, the ALTA form, the HUD. Those are all different names for it. So that way that seller understands what's going on with the transaction. Beacon title and escrow. And of course, after you get out of the closing table, what do you do? You want to move into your new home. What better way to do it than have trusted, experienced movers like GMET's Moving and Storage, 401-386-399. Because if you do it right, call them up. They give you a price. They can come by. They can measure everything that needs to be um, you know, measured to go on the truck, give you a price. While you're at the closing, they can be packing up your home or unpacking in your new home. You don't have to worry because they're professionals. Their movers work for them. Everybody's insured. Everybody's licensed. They own their own trucks. That's what they do. Okay. I'm Joe Luca. I'm your host, part of the Luca and Murano team at Remax Preferred. Shout out to the uh, my boss, the owner of the company, Richard Zampa. He owns uh, Remax Preferred, Remax Properties, and Remax Town and Country. And then we have satellite offices in North Smithfield and Pawtucket. Um, my uh, friend and colleague, Deb Houghton, today is her birthday. Happy birthday, Deb. I hope you're having an enjoyable birthday dinner about now. Um, and, of course, my partner, Don Morano, who's at a networking event right now. Um, so she is not tuned in on Facebook Live, unfortunately. But um, she's out working. That's what she's supposed to do, right? Meet people, making it rain. So getting back to the market, what's going on in the market? My, let's see here. My computer screen just went dark. So some of the things, um, you know, upgrades that home buyers want in the wake of COVID-19. Okay, we went through COVID-19, had a lot of uh, things change the way we do business and the way we live our lives. Okay. Now, with the second boosters rolling out, cities starting to reopen, the real estate market is 
perking up with buyers eager to find a new home that reflects the new hybrid work conditions. Now, mortgage interest rates are expected to rise. So this spring, we're anticipating lots of buyers, which we've already seen that. There have been lots of buyers coming onto the market. We need to get more homes. So if you're thinking about selling, now is the time to step on the gas. And the first action you should take is preparing your home to sell. All right. And some of the experts um, made some suggestions for what you could do to get your house ready to sell. One, upgrade your outdoor space. All right. First impressions are very important. Curb appeal is very important. The front of the house, but then you have your backyard too. There are things you can do to make it more conducive, more attractive to someone who's outgrown their home because now they need to have an office in the home or maybe two offices in the home. So they may be looking for other things to do. You know, I know at my house, we're trying to leverage the outdoors, okay? So anything that you can do, um, pools are now more popular, all right? Houses that have in-ground pools are selling for 35% more than they sold for prior to COVID, all right? Um, creating a functional home office or classroom. So if you have another space, maybe it's even downstairs in the basement, or maybe it's upstairs, that big closet room that you never used that could be an office space it could be a classroom space for teaching kids in the home you know a lot of folks have started doing uh um you know homeschooling after what they experienced with covid and a lot of the um you know not that i'm going to get into that now but a, a lot of the policies that were adopted by school departments across across the country So these are things that you can do to make your home more attractive to someone who's looking to buy a home. Shout out to my friend and uh, awesome lender, Don Miller. Okay, Don works at North Point Bank. And uh, Don and I run in the same circles on many different levels. He's also part of our large soccer family, of which Anthony Betancourt is also a part. Um, So, yeah, so you want to have a room that could be used for a classroom or an in-home office. All right. Existing spaces that you have, try to make them more flexible so they can be used for more than one thing. Open floor plans are losing a little bit of their luster. This is very true. I can speak personally to this. Uh, Homeowners are looking for distinct spaces for family members to work or study. An open floor plan is nice when you're going to be entertaining, but an open floor plan for a lot of everyday living you know, may not make a lot of sense. If you've got kids studying at home, you have one or two parents working from home, and you have an open floor plan, there's a lot of noise that's bouncing around the house. So it can be a bit of a challenge, all right? Some folks are starting to add a room or a space in the basement for a home gym, okay? That's something else that would be very attractive to a home buyer. Sprucing up the laundry room, having a special area for, you know, folding the clothes, storing all of your laundry goods, things like that. These are some things that buyers really, um, they find really attractive. Okay. Um, You know, one of the things that... uh, Rhode Island Housing and Mass Housing and a lot of the other housing departments... Uh, have been doing across the country is having programs that help buyers buy homes. 
it's down payment assistance, if it's uh, um, closing cost assistance, whatever it may be. There are a lot of programs out there. You know, that's a very noble um, endeavor. However, I think what we really need to do is we need to do something so that it helps sellers, entices sellers to sell their homes. Because this is the reality of the situation, folks. If we get more, we're, we're getting more people that can qualify to buy a home, more than we already have. What's that going to do? It's going to drive up the price of houses even more. We already have a problem with affordable housing across the country, not just Rhode Island, not just Massachusetts. Affordable housing is it's the white elephant. When you make it easier for more buyers to buy a home, you're perpetuating, you're extending, you're reinforcing that problem of affordable housing. We need to make it easier. We need to entice sellers to sell homes. So we have more homes coming on the market to match the demand that's out there. What would be great, I think, and hopefully the Speaker of the House is listening and I know what the objection would be, but if we could temporarily not collect tax stamps when homes are sold. Well, Joe, if we do that, where are we going to get the money from? I don't know, but I think we should pose the question and then maybe we have a lot of smart people working at the state house. Let's think about what we could cut elsewhere so that we could promote more houses coming on the market. We could entice people to do that. Okay. You know, we need to do something because the more we make it easier for buyers to buy homes, the tougher it's going to be for people to afford homes. Rents are going up 18, 19% year over year. Think about that. You're paying $1,500 a month, $1,600 a month. Oh, landlord's raising your rent $200. That's not even 18, 19%. What we're starting to see on the rental side as well as on the purchase side of housing is intergenerational living. That's where you'll have grandparents, their adult children, and their adult grandchildren all living in this, under the same roof. Because now you have three sets of income even if one is social security and then the other two are regular you know, income from a job to pay the mortgage, to pay the expenses. Okay? One thing that um, I'm off on a little bit of a tangent now um, is I want to talk about solar panels. This just made me think about it because all of the listings, with the exception of the listing that we have in New Bedford, all of the listings that we've been getting have solar panels on them. We had one property that had solar panels and the roof was 15 years old. Solar panels were 15 months old. I don't know what's going to happen when that roof fails. Now, people say, quote unquote, that the solar company will remove the panels and put them back on. 
I find it hard to believe that they're going to do that for free. And then what happens if something breaks? So I think there is a whole list of issues that would need to be addressed. My point is think long and hard before you put solar panels on your house. Look at the numbers. One of the challenges I had was some of the folks who were leasing their solar panels you know, when you buy a house, you have what's called an amortization schedule. So, you know, um, my payment is going to be $1,972 a month for 30 years. And this is how it's going to be broken down between principal and interest. The only thing that's going to change is if I have my taxes and insurance added onto that. That will change, but my mortgage payment will not change. And I can see what I will be paying and where the monies will go on my last payment and how much I will have paid. When you're leasing solar panels, you cannot find that number or any amortization schedule in the contract. If you purchase, now we had one client, we have one client and she purchased it and she has a loan to buy the the solar panels. So that does come with an amortization schedule and you have a fixed payment in that particular case. Towards the end, the payments are a little bit different. But, folks, if you're thinking about solar panels, I am not an expert. um, But what I am very aware of is that solar panels, there's a lot of fine print. There's a lot of fine print with solar panels. So please do your homework. If you're going to be putting solar panels on and selling your house within the next 12, 18, 24 months, consult with a realtor. Call us and we can find out what the implications would be for you. 401-232-4300. That's the number for the Luca and Murano team. You can also text us at that number, 401-232-4300. And we'll do our best to get back to you ASAP. If you have questions now while we're on the radio, it's 401-769-0600 or 800-949-9674. And I can answer your question live on the radio if you have a question. If you don't, that's good too because I have plenty more that I can talk about. We're about uh, nine minutes before the hour. Okay, I want to thank our sponsors, John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Anthony Anthony Betancourt and Rich Nicholson at Beacon Title and Escrow. And, of course, George Metz and GMetz Moving and Storage, 401-383-6399. Have everything covered. The beginning of the transaction with yours truly and John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team. Then the closing, we have Anthony Betancourt and Rich Nicholson taking care of that aspect. And then, of course, moving into your home. GMET's moving in storage, 401-383-6399. Of course, if you call Dolbeck, you call Mets, give them our name. Say you heard about them right here on the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. Or you could just give us a call and we will connect you directly with them. 401-232-4300. That's the Luca and Murano team at REMAX Preferred. Okay, so what else is going on in the real estate market now? So we've talked about interest rates and how the interest rates have been going up. We've talked about how uh, the forecast for home prices is they're going to continue to increase in value. Um, Some areas are at risk for declines. Okay, greater Bridgeport, greater Hartford areas are closest to us. Other than that, you're... um, and other parts of the country, mostly in the Arizona area. Okay. Um, down payment assistance programs. They are available. Rhode Island Housing has a great program right now. I think they have enough 
money for 60 families to help 60 people. Um, so if you have a question about that, that's a question you can call John Dolbeck for, 401-321-4401. He'll be able to answer, answer that or any other questions much better than I can. Okay. Um, but what I would encourage you to do is call your state senator, your state legislator, and ask them, hey, what could you do at the state level to encourage folks to entice people to sell their homes, to put their homes on the market? And if they don't have any ideas, say, what about reducing or eliminating temporarily the payment of tax stamps? So tax stamps, what those are is when you sell your home, you pay a certain dollar amount, depending upon which state you're in, per thousand for your home. So if you have $100,000, you sell your house, it's $100,000, that's 100,000, so you pay 100 times the tax rate, $4.50, um, and that's how much you would pay in taxes. So 450 times 100, that's 4,500 bucks. That's on a $100,000 house, okay? If you have, excuse me, that... I did my math wrong. The decimal's in the wrong spot, excuse me. Um, if you have a $400,000 house, so that's 400 times 450, that's your number, okay, for what you pay in taxes. And now let me just do that on my computer because I believe that's about, let's see, 400 times $1,800, okay? So if you could save $1,800 by putting your home on the market now, because you didn't have to pay those tax stamps. Maybe some people will do that. We won't know unless we try. So folks, the median price of a home in Rhode Island is $368,000. That's right in the middle. So there are a lot of homes that sell for a lot more than $400,000. And there are many that sell below 400, excuse me, below 368. Okay. But I think we need to be creative and we need to call our, engage with our politicians, our state representatives and legislators, state senators, state legislators, to have them start thinking about what can the state do to encourage folks to put their homes on the market now? What could we do? Otherwise, if... If we do not have more homes on the market, we're going to continue to have a housing shortage, and that is going to exacerbate the problems we have with lack of affordable housing. Okay? We need, that, we need to address that. We're in the middle of, well, we're in the beginning of, um, where are we? April. Okay, so if we're in the beginning of April, I want to sign into MLS right now and give you a live number for how many houses are on the market in the state of Rhode Island. Okay, I'm gonna, as soon as I get on MLS here, because this number is a fraction of what it should be. Now, I know what it was this morning, but I want to see what it is right now. So let's see, we'll read that later. We're going to do single-family homes. Okay, 582 homes. So it's actually lower. When I checked before, it was 611. We're looking at multifamily homes. 
This is the entire state of Rhode Island. 124 multifamily homes in the entire state of Rhode Island. Condominiums. How many, how many condominiums do you think are on the, on the market in the entire state of Rhode Island? This is all price points, okay? 169. 169 condominiums, okay? And these range in price from, all right, let's see, $115,000 would be the least expensive one. And the most expensive one is $5,395,000. That's in Westerly, Watch Hill, real nice area. So almost $6 million, that's an expensive condominium. But we only have 169 condominiums for the whole state of Rhode Island. Less than 600 single-family homes for the whole state of Rhode Island. I know I have about 30 buyers looking to buy single-family homes. All right? That's my buyers. That's 5% of the, all the homes in the whole state right there. Okay? Multifamily homes, again, short supply. Ten, they're like hen's teeth. Okay? So... Engage with your politicians, see what you, you know, get them thinking about how can we help address this problem of not enough houses to sell. You know, um, you know, I know myself and my colleagues were working really hard to help folks sell houses, buy other houses. Some are moving out of state, some are staying within state, some are moving into assist, assisted living, some are moving in with other family members. We're doing our part. If you could help, that would be great. Thank you for listening to the Joe Luca Real Estate Show. I want to thank my sponsors, John Dolbeck and the Dolbeck team at Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, 401-321-4401, Anthony Betancourt at Beacon Title and Escrow, and George Metz at GMetz Moving and Storage. They move and store your belongings, which is awesome when you're moving from point A to point B. Okay. Thank you very much. We will be back next week. Take care. Bye-bye. WNRI Winsocket.